Hey everybody, welcome to episode 21 here on What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum and I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. And I'm Austin Ivey and we are both going to school to be licensed marriage and family therapists here in the state of Utah. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the three C's, the thieves of joy, which are criticizing, complaining, and comparing. Let's get right into it. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. So, before we begin, I just wanted to give the biggest and happiest birthdays to Austin because by the time this releases on Tuesday, it'll be his birthday today. Thank you so much. One year older and wiser too, maybe. Happy birthday to <laughs> you. <laughs> That's going to sound so good. That was great. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to be a bit older. A big, the big two, three. 23, which is awesome. Lots of fun. <laughs> Okay, anyways, are you going to do anything fun? Um, got a work party. They're giving out some prizes. And like maybe, for your birthday? You know, the, I know. Christmas. <laughs> it's, it's just a regular Christmas party. Okay. It's like a, um, they're giving out a bunch of prizes, so maybe I'll win a TV or something. So mm-hmm. Otherwise, I quit. So anyone listening um, for my work, you better give me the TV or I quit. So, yeah. It is his birthday, so. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't fire me. So yeah, like you heard in the intro, we're talking about the thieves of joy. Just three things, criticizing, comparing, and complaining. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. This is something that like I um, I learned a little while ago um, from someone that I respected a lot. He, he was a church leader of mine and um, just taught me a lot of good things. And I've implemented these into my life a lot. And I've noticed a big difference in the overall well-being of my mental health as I avoid these three things. So and I thought we'd like to share it with everyone else and how you can implement it into your life. And the first one is criticizing. And this is a big one that I have found myself being a huge culprit of over the years. Um, it just typically involves judgmental thoughts or words or anything towards another person that is directed to, I guess, improve their behavior in a way that you think would be better. And I think we all have an idea of what criticizing means to us. I don't really need to put a specific uh, definition to it, but everyone kind of knows what it means to be critical of another person in an unhelpful way, because there's always the constructive criticism that everyone needs. If you talk to any, I don't know, any football coach or any manager, supervisor, anything that has leadership over other people, constructive criticism is a very helpful thing. It helps a person grow. It's helped me grow over the years. But that judgmental criticizing of other people is what we're kind of be talking about with this right now. And what I've found, at least for me, is that criticism of other people typically fills a person with anger and hate towards the person that you're criticizing. And when we start nitpicking other people and their flaws and the things that they're doing, it's easy to find everything wrong with them and then start to be filled with bitterness towards them. And when you're filled with bitter- bitterness towards someone, you just, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, of course, when you're filled with that bitterness in general, mental health typically starts to go down and we're going to talk a little bit about how it actually affects the brain with some of the other C's that we're going to be talking about today. But I guess looking at it from an anecdotal standpoint, um, criticizing can really fill a person with anger and anger is not an emotion you want to be filled with. Typically, at least for me, I don't want to be filled yeah, with anger. Me either. It doesn't feel too good. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something again, that it's it really bothered me over the years. Some I've had to get a hold on and, uh, as we start to focus on like noticing it, I guess is the first step. Yeah. Yep. Recognizing it. Yeah. It's like with any addiction or anything, yeah, you got to recognize problem. that you're doing it. Yeah. Cause for me, 
after I learned about this from that church leader, he started pointing these things out. They called them the thieves of joy. I started to find them in my life, and I started noticing it a lot more. That when you start criticizing other people, it it feels a little bit different. Like it's almost like that bitterness is. For me, it's like palpable. That's what I always say. Like you can yeah. feel the bitterness when someone's being really, really critical. I started to notice that within myself <laughs> that um, when I start criticizing someone, I almost feel like a fire in like my ears, <laughs> and yeah. so, and that's not a really good place to be, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I feel a fire more in like in my chest. Yeah, you know, or <laughs> in my head, like I just want to blow up. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like a. Um, it, it feels like a fire, literally the fire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there are really two main reasons for criticizing, reasons that we criticize. And one is for better performance. Like if you are a boss, if you're a manager, or like Austin was saying, a lot of coaches can criticize without giving constructive criticism, mm-hmm. which, you know, is very hurtful and damaging. And the other is to lift yourself up at someone else's expense. So by putting people down, we tend to feel better about ourselves, which is, I think it's really fascinating to mm-hmm. me when we hurt other people, I guess, I mean, even physically, you could say, mm-hmm. when we demean people and put them down, it gives us a sense of like, oh, I'm in power. You know, that gives us a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose and, you know, whatever we can, I'm sure we can dive into that in, an, in another episode, but I think that's just really interesting. Those are the two main reasons, better performance and to lift yourself up by putting them down. And what's interesting is that when you criticize people or when you judge people, it's a direct reflection of who you are or who we are and what we are unhappy with in our lives, which is really interesting because when we're unhappy with something in our lives, that's those are things that we tend to focus on or things that we recognize or notice when we do like let's say we have a issue like talking in public you know or we stutter and that's whenever we stutter we tend to notice that a lot because that's something that we are insecure about or embarrassed about and so when others do it you focus on that and criticize them for that because it can make you feel better about that same thing that you're struggling with yeah criticizing could be like one of the at least for me, it is one of the most popular ego defenses that I use. If anyone knows anything about like the Freudian defense mechanisms, um, it could be characterized in one of those <clears throat> defense mechanisms that we use to protect ourselves in our own like mental state. Um, if we can criticize other people and almost project our problems onto them, like if again, like Nick was saying, like they stutter a lot, they're really bad at public speaking, and we and let's say I'm also really bad at public speaking. I have to point out why well, that bad that person's really bad at speaking. They're stuttering a lot. That sounds really bad it's typically a reflection of how you feel. At least that's how I've noticed in my life is that if I find something that someone really does, it something really annoys me, I'll typically notice it in myself a lot. Like yeah. at least the things, especially with them, um, um, it's easy to do that at work too. Like you see oh, yeah. other people at work doing certain things and they're either being lazy or not doing their jobs. Um, it's probably something that you do as well. So it can be a helpful thing in a way if you start noticing yourself criticizing other people you can use that up or have the thought to do it at least. Yeah. You can take an inward reflection to say, okay, I'm doing that. I should probably work on it and maybe I'll feel a little bit better rather than just nitpicking other people and um, tearing them down. Yeah. It can be really helpful when you say it in your head, right? But yeah. not, it won't be helpful when, if you always just say it out loud and actually to the people because 99% of the time, 
criticizing won't get won't get you anywhere. It won't change anything. It won't change the person that you're criticizing. And like Austin said earlier, it tends to just reinforce it, and it's protected then by anger and hate by the person that you're criticizing. And I mean, little wonder, you know, you're pointing out things that they also are more likely aware of mm -hmm. and embarrassed about, insecure about. And so when you just throw that gasoline onto that fire that they've already created themselves, then I guess not created, but the stuff that they are dealing with, mm -hmm. I should yeah. say, issues that they have in their life that they're working through. It's just like throwing gasoline on that bad boy and they just, I mean, they're defending themselves. And so of course they're going to be angry or mad. Yeah. There's always the double standard too. Like yeah. we always think that we're perfect and that at least for like, for me, I've noticed in myself, like it's easy to, to look around us and see the problems in the world. But if you take a step back and I don't want to say dissociate, but that would kind of be the word dissociate a little bit and say, what are the people maybe complaining about me? What's something that is some, that'd be critical towards me that people are thinking about or noticing about myself. And once you start thinking about that, it's a little bit eye-opening to say that I don't want people to think that about me. Like I, I have these things that I'm working on that I know I struggle with and it should be the same standard we hold for other people. Because if we're constantly criticizing other people, how would that feel if someone else was constantly criticizing you? It probably wouldn't feel very good. And so if you wouldn't want it towards you unless you really like criticism and that's just what you thrive off of. If you which, like gossip, hey. Yeah, you could, which probably isn't a good thing. I'll go ahead and say that out loud. But unless you want that criticism always directed towards yourself that you're giving other people, you should probably try to get a hold over it because yeah. it's never going to feel good to anyone to have all their little flaws that they're probably hyper aware about. Again, I can always speak, always speaks for myself, but I feel like I'm pretty hyper aware of the things that I struggle with. And so to have someone constantly be nagging me, especially behind my back and not knowing about it, yeah, um, not the best feeling in the world. So these and all these things that we're going to be talking about today, they're all natural things that we all just turn towards as like a defense mechanism, as a thing to kind of make us feel good as an ego defense. And so becoming aware of it and try to start noticing in your life will be the secret and the key. Um, and you're not wrong if you do do these things, any of the things we're talking about. Right, you're normal. Yeah, you're just a human if you're doing these. Yeah. And so if you weren't, I'd be curious if you were actually a robot because everyone does these things. Yeah, unless you've been working on it for quite yeah, some time. Yeah, which would be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, that was my little two cents about that last yeah, part. But cool. yeah, that's perfect. The Buddhists have something called right speech, and that's part of it. Right speech is not criticizing others, not judging others, not talking behind people's backs. And there you go. So we all need to practice right speech. Yeah. It can benefit Buddhist. us a lot. Now, the opposite of criticizing is encouragement. And I think when you encourage people and focus on their strengths, then that is what you start to see. And they start to perform and act better. Mm -hmm. I forget what it's actually called. It's a different like paradigm, you could say, when, I think it's just the expectance, ex, uh, expectancy theory, when you expect people to do or perform at a certain level. Oh, the expectancy then, effect, yeah. Then that's what you see. If you expect them to see or to perform low, then they will perform low because that's what you're seeing. But on the other hand, if you expect them to perform high, then that's what you start to see. I think Stephen Covey talks about it a lot in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People 
where effective managers and bosses, they all expect their employees to perform at a high level, and they do, and that's what they see. And the statistics really do show that in the businesses, which is really interesting. So when you focus on people's positives, then most of the time they, well, first of all, that's what you'll see are their positives. And then they will start to they act in accordance with how you expect them to be. So if you're always criticizing them about their flaws and magnifying those, then that's simply how they're going to start, I guess, acting in a sense in ways that could magnify those flaws or those things that they're currently struggling with. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember, and we're going to be kind of talking about later with comparing, but a lot of people are self-critical as well. And again, that uh, um, that ability to dissociate a little bit and take like a third-party perspective, if you're being really hard on yourself and criticizing yourself a lot, it's going to have the same effect on yourself criticizing others as if you were to criticize yourself, if that makes sense. Like the same bitterness and angry feelings that you have towards other people when you're criticizing them a lot is going to happen to yourself if you're criticizing yourself. And we'll probably get into that more with comparing the third C that we're going to be talking about later. But focus on encouragement of yourself. That's one of the um, aspects of cognitive behavioral therapy is to do um, positive self-talk and self-affirmations. And while those there is scanty evidence of how much that works, um, a little bit of self-love and self-care is not selfish. It's good to participate right. in that and to encourage yourself and find things about yourself that um, that you know are your strengths that you can focus on. Because I feel like more often than not, self-criticism is, pro- self-criticism is the most likely thing that a person is dealing with when it comes to criticism. Because it's just so easy to, because you know who you are as a person and what you yeah. struggle with. And not to say that criticizing other people is common because that was my issue, is criticizing other people. But that's a big one to focus on because if you're criticizing yourself, you're going to be extra hard on yourself because you know exactly how bad and wrong and evil or messed up you think you are based off of the choices you've made. But it's just as important or probably more so important to be encouraging of yourself because, again, you know exactly who you are and how hard you're trying. That's That's really hard to do as a, as a person who might struggle with that anyways, because self-love is hard to come by as a person who's really self-critical. Um, but to, to try to practice some self-encouragement practices and just find things that you know you're good at and compliment yourself, do some actual like out loud self-talk find a place where you're alone, whether it's your car or bathroom with the door closed, look in the mirror and find some things that you know you're good at, not making it up because that's not going to be helpful if you're kind of lying to yourself, but it would be good to take a moment to do like a self-evaluation of things you know you're good at. Encourage yourself to keep doing it and keep working at it. And if there's things that you feel like you're struggling with, talk to yourself as if you would talking to someone that you love. And say, hey, you're struggling with this. It would be good if we did better. But let's work on this a little bit. And I believe in you. I love you. You're worth it. The same way you'd be talking to a spouse or your mom or dad or brother that you love. Because the opposite is it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you in a terrible spot mentally. Yeah, it can be really tough. And I did this with one of my friends a couple of years ago with positive affirmations. And again, like Austin was saying, there are it's not really a bunch of evidence that surrounds positive affirmations. And it can actually show that they can be damaging when you don't believe them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a topic for another episode. Yeah. But anyway, for the sake of right now, 
I was doing this with some of my friends or one of my friends, and I had him just write down things that I really guess he thought about himself that he wanted he wanted to hear about himself that was positive, so nothing negative. So positive affirmations that he wish he heard. And as he was writing these down, I then had him read them out loud. And as he was reading them out loud, he just started to cry. Huh. And I was like, why are you like, why are you crying? What's up? And he said, he's just never heard these before, huh. not even from himself. And so you can see how criticizing can be really damaging and can hurt you in the long run, hurt your mental health. And you can really think of yourself as, you know, a loser, as a scrawny twat, you know, whatever, whatever you say, whatever you call yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you're calling yourself, whatever you're calling others, it can be really damaging. And so try and be more encouraging. And I think it's interesting how, especially being in the Western part of the world here, here in the, the States is that we're very focused on individualism Mm -hmm. and not really collectivism. And so when we criticize others, I think that comes more naturally here in the States anyway. I, I'm curious, I'll look, look this up and study more on, uh, you know, how criticizing is around the world and just because different cultures are, you know, more collectivism or more collectivists than individualistic. And I think when we're more individualistic, like we are here in the States, it's a lot easier to criticize others than it is to encourage. Because when we encourage others, I guess when we criticize others that remember we a lot of the times do it to lift others or to lift ourselves while putting them down because we're very individualistic and focus on me myself i everything that i do what i do is important what everyone else does is not important so i put them down to make me feel better so i think naturally in the states here we tend to be more negative and more criticizing then I'm not going to say like anywhere else in the world, but then I, I would say in collectivist cultures. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of like a cultural thing for sure. Like yeah. in the States. And, um, I mean, we're going to talk about social media a little bit later with yeah. um, the third C again with comparing, but that doesn't help very much either. Like when you have to see these people's lives in detail, it's so easy to nitpick it and find things that you just want to complain about to make yourself feel better and actually take this into our next C is complaining and we all know what it likes to be around someone that complains a lot um, it can be very emotionally draining um, complaining is something I guess what I've always said is there's never been a problem solved or made better by complaining complaining typically only makes things worse not to say that I don't complain but this is something that I've tried a lot to focus on myself is trying not to complain because complaining It shows a lack of gratitude and it shows a lack of understanding of how things truly are. And some really interesting research done at the University of Stanford, or Stanford University, I should say, um, is that complaining can literally change your brain and the chemicals and the structure of your brain. Research done by Stanford shows that it can shrink your hippocampus, and by shrinking your hippocampus, um, it will decrease your ability to problem solve and engage in critical thought. Your hippocampus is something you don't want to mess with. It has a lot of higher cognitive function, memory, like I said, problem solving and critical thought. And so by complaining, the research found that it it does change your brain and and shrink the hippocampus and decrease your ability to um, be a higher order thinking human being. 
and I thought that was so interesting. And um, those people that do complain a lot, constant complainers, um, they are typically in a really bad spot mentally. And it's because it can literally change your brain chemistry and um, decrease your ability to see things logically. And anyone who's an anxious and, um, I guess, depressed person knows that they don't see the world logically. And you don't see the world through a, a higher functioning thinking perspective. It's all fear and that monkey brain, lizard brain, whatever you want to call yeah. it, the amygdala, the amygdala response, the fear response. And so by shrinking those higher order functions of your brain, you're putting yourself in a pretty bad spot and literally making that de the default function to turn to, um, I guess, less, more ancient brain, lower order functioning and decrease your ability to um, perform modern human functions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And Austin talked about this actually, I think it was your first episode, right? On yeah. the fixed and growth yeah. mindset, how when you have a fixed mindset, you're not focusing on what you can do better. You're just focused on, I guess, the issues you're having now and you start to complain, then, I mean, fixed mindset, you, all you will really do is complain and complain that you're not getting where you want to be or whatever, complain that you're not getting better. But if you have a growth mindset, you recognize that it is what it is, you know, whatever happened, happened, and you can change it by you know, working on yourself, working on uh, goals that you have, and just working on having a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. you have anything to say about that? Oh, yeah. Like, um, there's the, uh, I can't remember the specific terms for it, um, basically internal versus external. Um, a person who, um, it's intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. That's what it is. And so that has a lot to do with fixed and growth mindsets. A person who has a very fixed mindset um, they're very, um, everything around them is, um, external. Like everything that happens mm -hmm. in their life is because of the things around them and they don't talk, take responsibility for their life. And so by complaining a lot, you develop a huge fixed mindset by complaining about things that are happening to you and becoming a victim. That victim mindset is a terrible mindset to be in because it makes you, it gets you to a point where you believe that everything is not your fault. And on the flip side, okay, how about this? If, if something goes wrong in your life, you complain about it because it wasn't your fault and you just complain about all these different things. It's all the, the world surrounding you. It's not your fault. And that's a huge part of fixed mindset. And on the opposite, when you do something right, it's only your fault and no one else helped you. Yeah. That's part of it too. You don't want to be in that position where, um, everything around you is, is wrong. Everything surrounding you is wrong and everything about you is right. And that's kind of what complaining can do. It gives you a skewed worldview that, um, you have no control over the things going on around you and that um, it kind of takes the, uh, I don't know, the group mentality out of things that you can do things by yourself. And that's kind of counterintuitive to how humans have always worked is you, you need to do things in conjunction with other people. And by complaining a lot, um, it decreases your ability to do so, in my opinion. Yeah. And I even say the two C's anyway, criticizing and complaining increase narcissistic tendencies oh, yeah, absolutely. and reinforce those narcissistic tendencies that we all have at times, but things like social media, again, we'll, we'll get into this here later, but the always complaining and always criticizing along with social media just reinforces narcissism, which can be a, a nasty cycle. 
So what does complaining accomplish and why do we do it? Think about that. Like, why do you complain? Most of the time, it's just because things aren't the way we want them to be, right? When there's a gap between our expectation and reality, we tend to complain. You know, I myself, I'm a huge, (laughs) I've complained a lot in my life. And if you (laughs) haven't, like, I want to know your secret sauce that you have, (laughs) Because, I mean, I've, I've done it a lot. But again, it's all about recognizing it. And as I've been able to recognize it and understand why I'm complaining, I've been able to stop it, right, when I think or have the thought to complain, which is really hard sometimes, mm-hmm. especially with even criticizing and comparing. These all three C's, they can be really hard. I mean, not, not can be. They are really hard mm-hmm. to stop, especially when you've been doing it for years especially if you've grown up in an individualistic culture where it's all about you, it's all about me, then stopping those things that are just have come natural to us can be really hard. Now, we also complain when we want to bond with another person, which is interesting. Complaining can be a bonding mechanism. It connects us with others when we have a mutual dissatisfaction. So if you I'm sure almost all of us have had an experience where we both didn't like someone mm-hmm. or, you know, you and a work buddy, you're like, Oh, look at Charles over there. Okay. Sorry if any of your names are Charles, I'm not <laughs> talking about you. Charles over there is like, do you hear about this raise? He just got, that's so stupid. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't deserve that raise. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Sounds familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not those exact words, but something along those lines. And, you have a sense of bonding with that person. I'm not sure if oxytocin is released when you complain with other people. Interesting, yeah. I mean, that would be something to look into. I wouldn't be surprised either if it is because oxytocin is the bonding chemical. And so when you feel those fuzzy feelings, when you're, I, you know, just thinking about it, I would, I'd bet money that oxytocin is released on it. Because Absolutely. you can feel a sense of bonding or a sense of like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing. And, uh, like a no one there's like I don't know if anyone's ever watched The Office, <laughs> but um there's the episode where um Michael I can't remember the the base of the episode, but Michael was being um I don't know, I can't remember what he was doing, but everyone is starting to like complain about him. And at the end of the episode it says, um nothing brings um a group together than complaining about someone else. And like it's like it's like a bunch of kids complaining about the lunch lady. And then he says, well, yeah. the lunch lady is actually my best friend. But anyways, that doesn't <laughs> matter. But that's kind of what happens. And like, if you've ever seen that episode that everyone starts complaining about him and they start to um, bond together as a group, I think it's after when the two branches um, merge and they're complaining about Michael. And that's how the two branches come together as friends because they're complaining about the boss. <laughs> and so anyways, that's kind of a good example. It's a work, yeah. um, work related figure because it's a TV show about work. But um, that's really how it happens is like that. Um, bonding becomes so easy. It's like an echo chamber almost. Yeah. Like it happens a lot. I feel like work is a really good example because it's so easy to complain about a coworker or um, like a boss or if like there's a few friends in a like a cubicle complaining about a problem outside of work. Let's say a person comes to a problem. A person comes to work with a problem and starts complaining to her two coworkers or to his two coworkers about this problem. And they start like bouncing off each other like, oh, you're right. Like it's a little echo chamber. Yeah. All you hear is the things you want to hear. You're complaining about things that um, that you feel are valid and they validate you and that makes you feel right. And there's that bonding going on. And it's just like this 
really negative echo chamber that makes you feel like you're right, even though you aren't. It's just full of complaints yeah. bouncing off the walls. Yeah, and it doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. And that's another reason why we complain. It's for validation. We want to seek validation from other people. And when we are validated by other people, like, you know, if you go to work and you complain about your wife or you complain about your husband and your work buddy's like, oh, yeah, dude, she shouldn't have done that. Or, hmm. yeah, he's such a, a twat. I'm like, I don't know why he's doing that. Yeah. Then they're validating your negative feelings, which are unhealthy in the first place, but they're just reinforced. And you go back home that night and those feelings of negativity are reinforced towards your significant other that you were just talking bad about all day. And do you think that's going to make your relationship any better? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing with that too is that um, at least this is anecdotal, of course, but when you go to tell a story at work with your coworkers about a spouse, let's stay on the same subject. If you go to complain about your spouse to your coworkers or to a friend, whatever the situation is, you will probably change the story to match your narrative. Oh, yeah. And so if you got an argument about laundry or something like that, it's something harmless, I guess. That doesn't have to be harmless, but you complain about something, you're going to tell the story from your point of view and in a way that makes you sound better to your coworkers because you don't want to come off as the bad guy to your coworkers. So you're going to tell the story in a way that matches the narrative that you want them to hear. And they're going to, of course, agree to that because they like you and they want to keep you as a friend unless they really appreciate you as a person and they try to dig deeper and see if there's, you're actually the problem. A good friend will probably not just agree with you no matter what. They're probably going to try to help you. Yeah. Um, a good you friend a... will let you know when you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to, even if you are a good friend, it's really easy to just be like, yeah, man, you're right. Like you're not mm -hmm. a bad friend if you do that, but um, it's good to be aware and um, I guess notice when you're just validating. It's good to dig deeper, but that's what happens when we tell stories to other people. They want to maintain that relationship with you. And of course, they're going to agree with you and tell you the things you want to hear. And they're just doing that naturally. That's an okay thing to do just because that's what humans do is we want to maintain relationships and avoid confrontation. And you're going to say, go home, like Enoch said, with those feelings of validation. And now you're going to think you're in the moral high ground because you have these people that agree with you and your spouse probably did the same thing. And so now that yeah. just turns the volume up on the argument because you have allies on your side. It's like in World War II, like the allies choosing sides, the Axis versus the allies. The the heat got turned up a little bit because now there's other people involved and you have, well, my coworker said this about you and thinks you should do this. When in reality, the problem should just be taken to your spouse, which is a whole different episode topic with like yeah. communication with your spouse yeah. and um, good um, argument, um, or I guess a good uh, conflict resolution within marriages. But... That's what happens when you complain to other people is it's just a huge echo chamber that tells you what you want to hear. Yeah. In the future, actually, we may have a special guest on to talk about pillars of communication. Yeah, and how to have a, how to have a good, healthy conversation with um, people that you care about. So yeah. stay, stay tuned on that stay one. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. And what's interesting here is that when we talked about how complaining may release oxytocin, what's dangerous here is that too much complaining actually releases a chemical called cortisol. And cortisol is the main stressor hormone, the main stress chemical. So when you're stressed, cortisol is, re cortisol is released. So when you complain too much, cortisol levels become higher, therefore you are more stressed. Which makes sense because if you complain all day, again, about your spouse or about problems that you're having at home, then you go back to those problems without actually resolving them and you only complain about them, then little wonder why 
you know, cortisol is higher, why mm-hmm. you're more stressed is because you're not focusing on the problem. You're focusing on, I mean, the problem that you I, have with it. Yeah. So you're not, you are focusing on the problem. You're not focusing on the solution. You're just, yeah, um, yeah. you're turning the, you're putting a magnifying glass on the, on the problem just by compl- constantly complaining about yeah. it. And I think it's good to um, bring up that there's nothing wrong with venting. Like I wanted to, that's one thing that I wanted to focus on is that there's venting and then there's complaining and venting is very healthy. If you have something in your life that um, is really bothering you, it's good to not ruminate on it and to just constantly right. th- be thinking about it. And so that's kind of the essence of therapy is going to someone that is a third party impartial person that will listen to you and um, give you feedback on what you're saying um, but what I've found in my research in my own personal life is that the difference between venting and complaining is venting is just how you feel about a situation. You can't control how you feel a lot of the times. So it's good to externalize that and talk about it as someone that you care. Um, talk about it with someone that cares about you. And then the opposite side, the complaining is typically involved with judging and criticizing other people. So comparing and criticizing are very closely linked because yeah. complaining is just... It's basically just another form of criticizing. It yeah. it's usually involves something like un, um, it involves uh, judging, un, like ingratitude. What would be the word for that? Ingratitude, I guess. Ungratefulness, Ungrateful. ungratefulness, and bitterness towards someone or something or a situation. When venting is, I really feel this way about like this person did this at work, and I really didn't like it. You're talking to your wife or husband about that. That's a really healthy thing. As long as they're not reinforcing um, negative uh, feelings that you have, and just again that echo chamber, it's good to vent, but it's not good to complain. And I think we all kind of know the difference between the two. There's a nice gray line in between the two, where complaining is just full of negative energy, and it makes you feel worse, and it makes the other person feel worse. Like if you've ever been around someone that just complains a lot about their life, it's it's emotionally yeah. draining. Energy vampires. It's uh, energy vampires for sure. But then if, if you've ever been in a conversation where someone is just venting about a problem that they have or a situation that they're really struggling with, it can be very, like, talk about oxytocin. Yeah. Um, it can be in both the complaining and the venting. But when you're listening to someone about a problem that they really care about and it's a really constructive conversation, um, there's nothing more beautiful than that when you're trying to build a relationship, when you're two people talking about something that they that they're having a hard time with. And that's something that I wanted to focus on. So if you're listening to this thing while well, I complain a lot, try to um I guess differentiate what is venting and what is complaining in your life because keep venting with the people that you care about but don't complain. Try not to complain. That's yeah. that's something I really wanted to um point point out the difference of. Yeah. And I think we can give an example here, a little role play. Yeah. Not necessarily a role play, but <laughs> a little example of a role play. So you could talk about the same problem, but talk about it while complaining or talk about it while venting. So we'll stay on the subject of parents or of um, a couple, let's say. And let's just say there's a, an issue between the couple, you know, like finances. That's a big one that's a, a big problem for a lot of people. So let's say they're struggling financially and the complainer will go to work and say, oh, my husband or my wife... All she does is spend, 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 and it's just ridiculous because all I want to do is I save and I am the the main, let's say, breadwinner or whatever. I make all the money and they just want to go spend it and it's just ridiculous. Like they don't even, they don't care about anything that I do. That's, that's, that would be the complainer. Now, a venter would say something like this. 
like I'm I'm struggling really hard right now with with finances with my wife or with my husband and I do recognize that they also want to do their best to save and to help in the relationship but they also want to spend money on other people for the most part they want to make other people happy they want to like it's the holiday season right mm-hmm. now they want to buy a lot of people gifts and it's just hard for us right now to balance that out and i'm not quite sure what to do yeah i think there's a really good difference in that is that the complaining typically was making yourself the hero and the other person the enemy mm-hmm. but the venting was just an overall situation update like this is what's happening and try to focus on the positives like focus on the positives of the behavior of the person that you're venting about like if it is the husband who's spending a lot of money and you could say point out the reason why it is the holiday season and they they come from a family where buying gifts was a big thing and try to focus on the positives of the situation even though it's that positive is turning it into a negative like the behavior is based in something good they want to make other people happy the culture of their family was buying gifts or Again, this is just the anecdotal situation, but again, the complaining typically try it's making you the hero or the victim of the situation and the other person, the enemy or the, um, the problem of the situation. And so just try to focus on that in your lives is, am I pointing my, am I painting myself out to be the hero or the victim? And if so, it's probably complaining and maybe try to rephrase the way you're talking about it, because even just the words that you use will affect your mood and your overall mental health because there's certain words and certain, I don't know, I want to say energy, but there's certain vibes that sound super hippie, but there's certain feelings that come with talking about certain things with certain words and the way you frame conversations when you're venting or or complaining, I should say. um, Again, the energy vampires, the emotional vampires that just suck the energy and happiness out of a room when you're just using certain words and phrasing things in a certain way. Um, And if you want to, again, if you want to try to focus on venting a little bit more, focus more on gratitude because talking about the opposite of of complaining is gratitude, being grateful for the things in your life, even if it's negative. Going back to the situation with the, uh, the spouse who spends a lot of money, be grateful that they care about other people enough to want to buy them gifts instead of just being a Scrooge and um, super apathetic towards other people. And they, they want to, the fact that they're spending a lot of money typically represents that they care about people. And so be grateful for that, that you have a spouse that cares so much about other people. Every situation will have something to be grateful for, no matter how bad it is. There's always something good to be pulled out of a situation. It might be, you might need to use little teeny tweezers to pull it out because it's so small but there's always something to be grateful about something that you're complaining about. There's always something to be learned because the power of gratitude is very, very powerful. And it's, and from my understanding that like you found it's a, it's like clinically proven that gratitude is, is helpful for mental health, right? Yeah. So that's what I was about to say is how, uh, the university or Stanford university, I don't know. I don't know what, what way, what, what to call it. it yeah. <laughs> university, Stanford university, where they did the study on, uh, complaining how that does shrink the hippocampus um, and has, uh, has has these other negative effects. However, they also did a study where, and this credit is totally goes, goes to Andrew Huberman, who does the Huberman Lab. I believe his first name's Andrew. I mean, Professor Huberman. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there you go. But they did a study on gratitude, and 
it actually turns out that gratitude does the complete opposite of complaining. It actually expands the hippocampus and has all these positive effects on your brain. And he was saying that we are inherently unhappy creatures, unhappy beings. And for the most part, I think that's true. I think the natural man, if you want to call it, is an unhappy, judging complainer. Like Those things just come natural to the majority of the population. I'm not going to say that you know everyone is because mm-hmm. you have those blessed souls who are just really nice people. And I mean, I'm sure they have their struggles as well, but mm-hmm. it's the default just, setting factory setting that every human has. Like yeah. It's what is typically to just go towards because it's where we come from the factory, like um, from childhood. It's so easy to be this way coming from narcissistic childhood to, to be this way. Yep. Egocentric narcissistic children <laughs> that's what every child is yep. is a little narcissist yeah because that's so how true. they kind of need to be but that's a whole different thing but yeah we'll talk about that in another episode yeah but gratitude is very important and a simple way you can start is just a gratitude journal and although the studies done by the huberman lab i'm not sure if he, that's what his podcast is called i don't know if his lab's really called the huberman lab but makes sense the study found out that yes doing having a gratitude journal is is helpful and it does have positive effects it's just it's not like grandiose grandiose whatever you want to call it not super effective like a lot of people think that was my go-to when thinking about a gratitude practice is oh i'll just wake up in the morning and write down things i'm grateful for yes that's good however they found out that the best thing you can do to literally rewire the network in your brain to be more happy, to be naturally happy, and to go away from complaining, criticizing, and comparing is through stories, is thinking of times when either you received something, you received gratitude, or when you gave gratitude. And you can also read, it doesn't have to be your story, it can be anyone else's story. So if there's a story that really resonates with you about someone receiving gratitude from others or about them giving gratitude, then that has a really powerful effect over time on your networking in your brain to make you really a more inherently happy person instead of going to those default settings, which tend to be negative. You can be naturally a happier person. You got to tamp down the neural pathways a little bit and create the path of least resistance because for a lot of people the path of least resistance is that complaining mm-hmm. and um and comparing criticizing that is the path of least resistance because it comes from childhood as a default setting for most people of course um, there's some people that are different but um it takes a lot of work to do that but once you do it it can literally change your brain to have the default setting be gratitude or encouragement and as we get into comparing what we can do to make that positive thing the um, natural path of least resistance and so it, it takes a little bit of work but it's totally possible to change the networks of your brain just the way complaining changes the networks of your brain which takes us right into the last c which is comparing and um, comparing typically is in most cases when it comes to other people it's not a very helpful thing at all comparing um one person to another and one person's success versus to another person's or your own success is never going to be helpful. And there's a lot of reasons why. But the biggest um, thing that people do is comparing um, one life to another. And social media does this. That yeah, I compare huge. my accomplishments to someone else. 
And for a person, this can do so many negative things because then you see, typically when we compare ourselves to other people, you're comparing their best case scenario versus your worst case scenario. Or you're, you see them as their, especially on social media, you see them as exactly the, they, the way they want you to see them. And then you compare that to your situation. And you typically only compare it to the things that are really bad about your situation rather than the opposite because that's the default setting again is to see the bad parts of your life rather than the good things and being grateful for what you have. So when we compare, it's easy to say, wow, I'm just, who am I as a person? I have the, all these people have accomplished so many things. What have I have accomplished? I'm so far behind. Um, especially with like money or, um, like I guess, uh, objects or things like a house, like this person has a house and I'm still been renting for the last two years. Like these same, same people my age have finished their bachelor's degree and they're already working in their careers. And so that just really puts you down. It makes you feel less than and um, almost ungrateful to, ungrateful for what you have in your life. And the thing is you don't always see what's going on in their life and the things that have brought them to the point where they're at in their life. And so one thing that I really love, and we've talked about him a lot in the podcast, is um, Jordan, Dr. Jordan Peterson, um, best-selling author and clinical therapist out of Canada. Um, in his book, 12 Rules for Life, he says, this is rule number four, um, from his 12 rules for life that the only fair comparison a person can make is to the person that they were yesterday. And so again, natural default setting is to compare to other people because you want to match the status quo, keeping up with the Joneses, of course, but that's such an unfair comparison when you compare to other people and even to yourself comparing like 10 years ago, who you were or comparing yourself to this future idealistic self of who you think you want to be. Yeah. And so if you want to make comparisons in your life, it has to be to the person who you were yesterday. And that's the only thing you can compare yourself. If you want to stay away from the negative um, connotations that come with comparisons. Yeah. And I think as I, as I, as I've been growing up, uh, I used to think or heard a lot that life is a race, you know, mm -hmm. but we also heard that life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. However, I also disagree with that because I don't think life is a race at all. When we do get into this racing mentality, even if it's a marathon, like, I don't know about you. I'm really competitive. I want to win. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I'm in this for the long run. I want to win. And so when we look at life as a race, that still, you know, promotes comparing because, oh, so-and-so is back there at the starting line and I'm, oh, five miles in, you know? even if it is a marathon, whatever. So why would we compare when life isn't a race? Because it's really not. And this is a paradigm shift that I've had to make in my life that's been really hard, but it's been really re rewarding as I have been able to change it. And that's the abundance paradigm where we get into these habits of, oh, so-and-so has a house. There's not going to be, you know, another house for me because so-and-so took the last one or whatever, we need to get into this abundance paradigm where there is enough for everyone to even do the same thing if we wanted, you know? And that's something that's really started to change my life and to make me more of a grateful person is to realize that I don't need to compare myself to what other people have or if someone, like a really good example is how Austin and I are going into the same field. When you're not in the abundance paradigm you feel a sense of like you need to defend yourself mm -hmm. and you need to kind of put like I would feel like I need to put Austin down because 
he's going into the same field and I don't want him to take a position that I want or that I might get. And just can you see how that can be really damaging and unhealthy? However, when you have the abundance paradigm, you realize that, okay, there's enough people in this world that we need all the therapists that we can get, mm-hmm. you know, so we can help as many people as we can because I won't be able to help 7 billion people, you know, yeah. like my brain would want me to think I can. I just, I can't. So you need to realize that, again, like we've talked about before, we need to work together. We need to, we're made to work in concert with other people. And when we have this abundance paradigm, that's a lot easier because we don't feel uh, threatened. We don't feel like we need to be defensive because someone is doing the same thing that we're doing. When we have the abundance paradigm, this is something that we can celebrate and be happy about. I think that goes back to what you were talking about early with the culture that we have here and like the Western world of individualism. Yeah. It's easy to get into that um, mindset that you need to see everyone as an enemy and you see a lot of like motivational quotes and life coaches that um, you need to be tenacious and um, don't back down to other people and everyone is a, like you need to focus on you and um, build up your life and be better than the next person. Like, at least I've seen a lot of like businessmen quotes um, about building a, an empire where you have to be really like... You've got to be a lion. Yeah, you got to be sheep. a lion. And I think it's good to be dangerous and to um, stand up for yourself, but totally. you're way more dangerous when you're being dangerous with another person. Like That's why it's yeah. a pack of lions, a yeah. pack of wolves. People, You want to surround yourself with people who have like-minded goals, and that goes back to what we talked about um, a couple episodes with um, being part of a tribe. Like it's good to be around people that have like-minded goals because then you lift each other up. And so when you start comparing yourself to the, even like people who are like-minded and say, well, Enoch is, um, I would say Enoch is a little bit further along with his bachelor's degree than me. Man, I need to step up my game. What are, where am I doing? Like, or anything like that. Or he got into, um, this or that intern that I didn't get into, or he has this job that I didn't get into. It'd be so easy to see him as an enemy rather than as a friend that I can learn from what he's learning about and then vice versa. Right. And you can do that in any aspect of life. If you, um, if a friend who's your same age got a house and you're still renting, you can go to them and say, instead of seeing them as an enemy and not talking to them anymore, you can go to them and say, how did you do that? And can you help me do that? That type of thing. Like, rather than, again, like you said, the abundance paradigm, if you want to truly make connections with other people and, again, part of that tribe mindset is to... Um, with concert with other people, like you said, is to focus on working with rather than against other people. And that's how you can have a full, rich, value-filled life is by working with rather than against other people. Yeah, and when you're in the abundance paradigm, honestly, all these three C's tend to go away because when you realize that there's enough for everyone, then you don't need to criticize others for you know, what they are doing or what they aren't doing, whatever, because there's enough. And it makes encouraging other people a lot easier because most of the time when you're not in this abundance paradigm, when you're in the complete opposite, when you think that there's not enough, then when you want to encourage someone, say, oh, dude, like Austin, I hope you have a lot of success in Mm -hmm. therapy, then do I really mean that? You know, and that's really hard to say when I don't think that there is enough work out there for the two of us or when I think of him as a competitor instead of someone I can work side by side with. It's a lot easier to encourage people when 
you are in this abundance paradigm. I know that we're kind of sounding like a broken record here saying the abundance paradigm, but that's something that's been really helpful for me is to realize that there is enough for everyone Mm -hmm. to achieve whatever dreams or goals that they have. We can all achieve those and that won't take anything away from our goals or from the dreams that we have. Yeah, there's so much opportunity in this world. It's such a big planet. There's so much space. There's so much resources. There's so many people out there. And by comparing yourself and seeing each other like as less than or greater than, again, that's another comparison that's unhealthy, is seeing is comparing yourself to someone and saying, oh, I'm much better off than them. Yeah. That's almost more so, that's probably more um, detrimental than it is to say that you're less than than them because then you have this superiority complex and you treat them. Narcissism. Yeah, that's what it, and that's, that's not a trait you want to have. And so it's good to see the world as it is. And that is that we're all so different. There's so many opportunities that each human is so unique. Every family that we come from is unique and that background, that culture from that family, the state that we live in, the country we live in, everyone's life is so beautifully unique to make any sort of comparison is typically very wrong. And it, it defeats the beauty of humanity and that is that we are so different mm-hmm. and so by making comparisons that this person's more pretty than me or they're skinnier or they're stronger or they're smarter or they make more money they're probably doing the same thing to you but in different ways everyone's making comparisons yeah. and so it's so natural to make that comparison again talk about the fault settings that's a narcissistic trait that we bring from childhood it's easy to compare and say that person's toys are cooler than mine and we bring that into an adulthood and we say that person's house is bigger than mine yeah it's just always good to remember that um, we're all so unique. And that's it's made that way from a divine standpoint. We're all meant to have this unique life and to live it the way that we're living it rather than trying to live it the way that other people are living it. And to always compare yourself to who you were yesterday and become a little bit better every day towards your goals and your values. Because that's the only way that you're going to keep yourself from driving yourself crazy. Because if you're comparing yourself to other people or other situations rather than just yourself and who you were very recently, like yesterday, like I said, otherwise you're just going to drive yourself crazy and be extremely anxious and depressed because you're always going to be less than and you're never going to... There's always going to be someone who has more money than you, who is smarter than you. But when you look at yourself and who you were recently, you're always going to be able to improve upon yourself because you can't control other people. And that's really what it comes down to is focusing on your on self-improvement in ways that you can control because you can't control other people. You can control who you are and who you're becoming and focusing on your goals because we all have that unique life that we can control. And so if you're, if you're a person who compares, um, I find myself doing that, um, just focus on going back to those gratitude things, finding those gratitude exercises, I should say, finding things you're grateful for in your life. And then again, creating goals, strictly based off of what you want out of life and not what other people are doing because that's a huge proponent of acceptance and commitment therapy is living in accordance to chosen values and those chosen values can't be other people by comparing to what other people are doing uh, they're called socially compliant goals what other people expect of you and what you think other people are doing so you need to follow the status quo yeah. so if you want to avoid those anxious thoughts and feelings that depression Focus on things that you want out of life and then put on the blinders and just work towards your values and and your goals and you'll avoid those terrible feelings that come with unfair comparisons. Yeah, I agree. And if you do struggle with comparing, I would recommend 
taking a break from social media. Absolutely. Because that's literally all social media is at this point. I'm sure that, you know, the the goals and what social media was trying to accomplish in the beginning was just connection, you know, staying in contact with other people, with friends, family that are far away. But it's just turned into gasoline to the fire of comparing. It really is. And it's it's turned into an unhealthy thing, social media. And there are studies coming out, like there's something called the thin model. And that is where you see all these, it's mainly in females, where they see all these women that are super skinny, are super fit, you know, have big butts, have the perfect body. Yeah, the ideal body you know, image. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, what is ideal. Yeah, put that culturally, in yeah. Quotations, the ideal body. But all of these are... Most of the time, the pictures are manipulated. There's filters. Photoshop. Like yeah. Photoshop. Like I saw these these comparison pictures, where these there were these like types of pants that made you look skinnier mm-hmm. when you had them on, and when you didn't, they you could see like more belly fat, and I thought that was really interesting. And not mm-hmm. even belly fat; it was just skin. You know, at this point, people are like, "Oh, I'm fat." Like, um. That's skin. That, yeah. Like, and like, and then like the idea of fat itself is just like a socially compliant thing. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And that's what social media has become is trying to find what is socially compliant and trying to fit in. And it's become really unhealthy. And so I'd recommend taking a break from social media. Of mm-hmm. course, all things in moderation, you know, if you do have, if you do love social media, it's not a bad thing. However, when you overuse social media and you really start to comparing, especially if that's something you struggle with then that's when it starts to become really unhealthy and detrimental to you. If you're really anxious and depressed, it, part of it might be because of your social media use. Like yeah. I would, That's a safe assumption that if you're a person who's really anxious, um, social media can be used as a coping mechanism and it usually mm-hmm. makes things worse. So I agree with Enoch. If you're, if you're a, find yourself in a really depressed moment right now or anxious, do a little fast of social media, maybe 30 days, however long you feel like you need, at least a couple weeks to get yourself like almost a detox of those comparisons because when you're constantly swiping and scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing these other picture perfect lives of the things that people want you to see. Um, it's so easy to say, wow, I'm just so, I'm so less than other people. What am I doing with my life? Um, again, comparisons just, they just, they ruin a person's self image and, um, overall mental health. So take a little break and focus on gratitude and focus on the things that you can control. Set some goals and find out what you want out of life. Do some meditation. Listen to the last episode that we did. That's right. Do some mindfulness practices and really fo- try to find out what you care about and start working towards it because just constantly scrolling through Instagram is going to make things worse, a lot worse. Yeah, and I think one thing that's really important and a good tool to know, I've talked about this before and Austin also talked about it in this episode not too long ago about the it's called the double standard technique it's talking to yourself how you would talk to a really close friend or a family member so if you say um you know would you ever say would i ever tell austin that oh he's uh too tall too overweight he uh i don't know whatever it is whatever anything anything negative about austin not much here (laughs) but you know, would you ever say, would I ever say that to him? And absolutely not. 
However, we catch ourselves a lot of the time saying that kinds of stuff to ourselves, especially on social media when we compare. I'm not you know, skinny enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And that's where the negative aspect of comparing comes from. And so when you just try and practice the double standard technique as you go throughout this week or go throughout, I mean, your life, this is a tool you can have forever. Learn to talk to yourself how you would talk to others. And that's how you can overcome those comparing tendencies. And that's how you can also fight back on depression and anxiety is because it all starts in your head, right? So when you start to realize that you're a normal human being, you don't have to compare yourself to other people. Life is not a race at all. Mm-hmm. You just need to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Then that's when really life starts to life will start to make a change for you. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better myself. I guess that kind of wraps it up. That's that's the three C's. Like it's kind of a longer podcast, but yeah, um, this is like for good reason. These three things. If you focus on these three things in your life, and you find yourself being really if you think you're really um, struggling with like mental health and you are in a bad spot in life, try to find these things in your life. Pinpoint yeah, if you're start here. Yeah, these are these are really good places to start because, like the title of the episode says, they they are thieves of joy. And if you're struggling in life, it's very likely that you're criticizing you're you're criticizing a lot, complaining a lot, or comparing yourself a lot. And so just try to be mindful of the thoughts that you have and the words that you're using with conversations with other people. Um, again, listen to the last episode, practice some mindfulness and try to f- focus on the things that you're thinking about and notice, are these good or helpful thoughts or are these damaging my self-image and damaging my my mental health? And um, I know this was a longer one and we talked about a lot of stuff, but just it could be simplified down to try to notice these three C's in your life and implement some of the things that we've talked about with, um, uh, I guess, healing from them because these are diseases in a way and it's hard to heal from them and it takes some therapy and some work but it's worth it to do so yeah it'll take some work but it's totally worth it absolutely so if you made it this far thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you in the next episode hey everyone thank you so much for listening to this episode if you liked it please leave a rating and review that would mean the world to us that's how we will be able to reach and help as many people as we can If you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any one of our other episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when our future episodes come out. Thank you for all the support. Until next time.